0: Hello and welcome to episode 317 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 1st of April 2020, the Day of Lies, and joining me uh, in our second attempt at an internet room is Dr. Bingo Clang. Hello! <laughs> Ran from an egg. Hello! And a very special appearance from guest CT. Hello! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Confusingly, not me—the person whose initials are CT—but in fact, Tom Senior. Why has it done this? Why has the software done this? Well,
1: why
2: didn't <laughs> you put your name ways? in? Why didn't you put your real
1: name? I don't name know where to, I don't know how to do that, Alex. I'm not tech savvy. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: uh, we are using uh, a piece of software called Cast, which is is very good. It's a bad name because it's extremely hard to Google. Um, but this was actually suggested to us by a Discord user uh, Shigothic um, who, uh, has maybe saved the podcast. If this has uh, solved a lot of the problems we had at remote pods, so, uh, thank you for that. More importantly, it's allowed people to set their own nicknames, um, which is, is, is why the roster has changed quite so dramatically in such a short space of time. Um, nicknames?
3: You <laughs> Sorry, it's, like, you it's allowed people to finally,
0: as so many things have in this scenario that we're living through, to allow people to shed their external husks to reveal, <laughs> the,
3: uh, and the accredited
4: doctor. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the there is their medical license.
2: The butterfly within Marsh,
0: mm. um, and also yeah, yeah, or just the the default name awaiting inside. Uh, and also, as a note on top of the podcast, Tom, I'm aware that uh, you, you you have a gas situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so,
1: to explain, if I disappear or die in an explosion. During the course of this podcast is because there is quite a gas leak in the basement of the, uh, the building we're living in. So, um, that's a fun little kind of frisson, I think, mm. for this podcast. <laughs>
0: um, you, you've, 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 you've done something about this, presumably before recording y- a po- recording yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I,
1: I don't actually want to die. So <laughs> we but invited.
2: If, if there is uh, an explosion, do we, do we have your blessing to continue?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You should not even like break stride just carry on <laughs> forge ahead with the podcast
2: the pod goes on
1: the short, the, the shot the show must go on
0: <laughs> yeah good the uh wow what, what an era we're living in yeah that. thank you for joining us in this unprecedented pod situation for so many different reasons <laughs> Tom would you like to maybe oh sorry I should say guest CT would you like to <laughs> tell us about what you've been doing uh in your life and flat and computer games recently uh, so I've gone
1: all in on virtual reality and it's not games. not a bad idea uh, yes and as escapism goes it's about as intense as that gets really I suppose um, I, I, I'll confess like I know we talk about PC games here but um, it's all been on PlayStation VR because it's frankly the, the most affordable option mm-hmm. when it comes to actually getting, getting into new VR games uh, but I've had a really good time with some, some of these VR games um, and I particularly enjoyed the room VR, which is which came out just a few days ago. Um, and there's a certain there's a particular novelty to very simple interactions in VR that remind me of the opening of Half Life 2 when you throw a can at mm. a guard's head. Yeah. Um and that, that felt like incredible at the time. It's like, whoa, I can't believe that, you know, these items just reacted as they might do in real life. Uh, and that kind of enthusiasm, uh, has now been translated in the room VR for me to, uh, the action of, uh, operating a pulley system.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's so what you do like you, because obviously um you've got your controllers and um the triggers and the triggers grab things uh, but you actually get to do i looked fucking stupid doing this but um you get to sort of grab the pulley uh and then just pull it down with your right hand take over from your left hand and actually do that kind of like hand over hand gesture mm-hmm. uh to actually very very slowly uh make a a, a very convoluted contraption, uh pick the Lid off a sarcophagus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is the height of VR for me. Like to yeah, be honest, yeah. this is the best time I've had in VR. Just doing that stuff, um, just the most basic interactions, just very simple things that feel really, really nice. Um, that series is very delighted. much about fiddling, though. It's a good fiddling game series, isn't it? Definitely, and it's also about it's all about poking things, and it's, it's kind of it's absurd, and I think it has some problems in that it doesn't flag very well what you can or can't interact with and there are like lots of drawers and things around and about half of them you can open and pull and touch mm. um but a, a bunch of them just don't react or respond and you're what you the only sort of clue you get as to whether you can actually grab something is that your fake vr hands just open in a sort of grasping gesture uh <laughs> Like it really wants to do something to this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, uh, you just have to sort of follow that weird language. But that, that, uh, I think the trouble with VR in that context is that because just the act of like moving beautiful puzzle boxes around should just be so natural, uh, having to negotiate this strange visual language. Uh, it really kind of I think just distances you from the, the beautiful uh, puzzle boxes they've created. Um, but having said that, I'm still really enjoying it. And as I said before, like the novelty of those
0: basic interactions feels amazing. Mm-hmm. So the, the room... Because you've played a bunch of the room games in the past I believe, is that
1: right? Yeah, I've played all of them. I, I actually love the room series.
0: Uh, they're great. So these are the sort of mystery box kind of puzzle yeah Yeah. They kind it of
4: metaphysical twist.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, they're, uh,
1: they're kind of impossible, beautiful machines that you unlock gradually. And also, there's a kind, of, there's an underlying um, occult theme, uh, and it's genuinely quite sinister sometimes. And that's a kind of cool bit of background mm. noise to enjoy as you as you're just solving puzzles and stuff.
2: Have you um, done any have you any VR incantations? Not yet, but that's
1: a great idea. Though, like <laughs> that'd be good. There's, um, yeah, so cultist VR. That would be good. In Bloodborne, there's uh, you can there are certain sort of gestures and uh ways that you can uh make your character just sort of perform a gesture. And um, one of them is sort of I think it's called like contact or make contact. And it's a very strange kind of like the guy reaches his hands up in the air and then slowly moves them around. Uh, there's one particular point in the entire game where you do you contact the elder gods (laughs) by doing that (laughs) and uh that's fucking cool and that should probably be in vr because you can actually Mm. do those motions if you want to yeah yeah, yeah, you
2: follow the instructions and then perform it
1: yeah you could actually summon cthulhu and um regret it immediately
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a good idea because there is something quite meditative about vr it's actually better for those kinds of experiences than a lot of other things right like sitting on the floor of your living room but you're somewhere else
2: and then, for like finding, like going through an adventure in which you find a book and you open the book, and then there's this very detailed sequence of movements you have to perform, and then you do it. That's going to feel really personal. Mm. Yeah. There
4: was a Connect Harry Potter game, if you recall that, uh, <laughs> okay. in which you had to do the gestures for different spells. Um, it didn't work, um, <laughs> <laughs> but also it was a terrible game. It was, it was like it was like a cover shooter, weirdly. Um, and the the spell you used to defeat things was always a stupefy spell. So every time you fired, basically, your gun, Wand, he, Harry Potter would shout, Stupefy, 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 <laughs> just continuously. <laughs> and it did. It really did.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was from the era where everything was a cover shooter, though, right? Like it was that. Yeah. Like, they called post-gears. it. Ghost Gears.
4: Gears of Wand is what it was named. Uh, yeah, nicknamed. Mm. Well, that's yeah anyway, weird. that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that the room is a lot better than that. A room, room game with real sophistication.
2: Did you see the um, the video that went around today of um, someone juggling in um, Half-Life Alex, Yeah, that was cool.
0: Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, when you said that VR is so good at bringing back that feeling of like the opening of Half-Life 2 and interacting with that physics the first time, it was almost like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a game that combined those two exact things <laughs> <laughs> that we have talk about? But no, because none of us have a Valve uh, Index or... Vive or indeed one of those. Indeed not.
4: Have you you, been following the storyline at all in, um, in the room, Tom? Because I, I, I've played most of the rooms, I think, apart from the ones which were iPhone or or Apple device exclusive at the time when I didn't have an Apple device. And I found it
1: very hard to work out what's, what the overall sort of overarching story is. So it's so, it's, I, I agree and I'm completely lost as well. There's sort of a lot of generic mysterious threat <laughs> and people who have investigated occult mysteries have gone too far um but i don't i can't remember any of the names of the people who actually did any of that stuff uh but it's weird in the, the room vr uh there are like leaflets everywhere with handwritten descriptions of a, of a character who is has is also going too far into the mystery um but brilliantly uh you can just read it and not understand it but then you can lift it up in front of your face and activate a special vision mode and there's a fiery hole in it and you can point that at a mysterious floating symbol in the room and you'll see it you'll see a ghost oh wow <laughs> and that's that's a very good vr interaction that was very good um mm. but yes it's nonsense basically but um <laughs> i think overall I, I enjoy the kind of um uh, i hate the word vibe but you know what i mean the, the sort mm. of tone of it there's the feeling of slight menace mm. and discomfort there that's, that's just just under the surface uh, and that's all the really well-polished
2: effective. um metalwork and um and tables
1: absolutely i want to make one of those devices um i think when i if i ever get to retire and grow old i will just make strange <laughs> puzzle boxes like the room did uh, in real life
4: <laughs> <laughs> there's a weird sort of disconnect between the kind of fictional framing of it which seems to be that somebody's left you all these puzzle boxes possibly with m- bad intent that, like it's going to trap you forever in some sort of uh, metaphysical fucking other world uh, but then at the same time the exact same set of puzzles have been crafted for you by a very nice group of developers <laughs> and there's <laughs> yes, just some, something true. strange about this
1: I don't know uh, and also like, they're, they're so much fun to interact with And then at the end of, like, finishing a puzzle, often just a load of tentacles come out and just, you you know, digest (laughs) all of the, you know, the puzzle box that you've just solved. Um, And at that point, you'd be like, fuck this, surely. like, (laughs) (laughs) Let's perhaps not continue with this adventure. Um, But But it is fun. It is fun nonetheless, yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, the the tentacles are awful. They're they're pretty sinister in VR as well. Very, very good.
0: (laughs) good uh, are you planning to move on to anything else VR wise or is it sort of one thing at a time
1: Uh, I've been playing loads of stuff on Playstation VR Um, there's a sort of James Bond game I'm playing that is really really fun and stupid um, which isn't on PC actually Uh, I think it's called Blood and Fury or something yeah yeah. Blood and
2: Truth Blood and and...
3: Yeah. yeah
0: yeah I should I should probably look these things up. before Hang on, I, talk no, I about can. I'm actually at my computer right now. I just remembered. Um, so <laughs> you, know, you keep talking. And, and I think I blood hope, and truth is right. Actually, I think it is. I, I hope people at home forgive my mechanical keyboard. It's clunky. Oh, so uh, he's typing. The,
4: sounds so good to press those buttons. <laughs> blood and, and but truth that's, is correct. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: the one. It's Ten uh, points to run from an egg. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a. Uh, uh, it's a very, very British action film game. Mm. With, uh, people with, uh, London accents going, Tango 6-6 six, six, and stuff like that a lot. Um,
2: <laughs> and, Tango 6-6, uh, he's, six, six, he's, he's hit me in the apples and stares. All that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, but it's good, it,
1: like, I've not actually played, oh, I'll have like that. Born in Alex. Suffolk, Alex Wiltshire. <laughs> <laughs> I've well, not uh, played Half-Life Alex, but um, one of the kind of things that really appealed to me about that game is the way that you actually, a bit like Receiver, uh, the way you actually fit, operate your gun, and the way mm. that uh, magazines fall out of it and you have to actually kind of uh, cock it properly and stuff. Um, and there's an element of that uh, in Blood and Truth, and but it's sort of, the game tries to guess where your hands are all the time. So if you're You've got a pistol in your right hand, and you sort of move your left hand close to it. Uh, in the game, the two hands will clasp together and form that, you know, Jason, Jason Bourne, James mm. Bond uh, kind of shooting poise. Um And again, it does, it's a thing, a constant thing with VR of looking like an absolute twat while you're doing this, <laughs> even though you feel like you're fucking awesome, badass kind of action hero guy. Uh, so I was like edging around corners with my clasped hands with a with a pistol and just like aiming down the sides and just kind of checking all the corners and then um, my girlfriend was sitting there for like ten minutes and I did not <laughs> know she was there and then afterwards she just like looked at me and shook her head <laughs> Did you say uh, uh,
0: girlfriend not fiancé there for a reason Tom? Yeah <laughs> Oh no yeah. still, still fiancé thank you yeah. uh, still fiancé <laughs> um,
1: but <laughs> th- there was that moment of um, regard for just like what the what are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you really doing here? Uh, which is always going to be part of VR, but I, I really got into it and actually really enjoyed it um, so far.
2: Have you played um, Astro Bot on PlayStation VR?
1: Yes, so that's... um, I think that was produced in-house by Sony, I think, as yeah. part of... Mm. The, something that was actually designed to sell PSVR as a concept. Um, and that actually, I, I've enjoyed that a lot because... Um, it's a, So, to explain it, it's a third-person platformer, basically, uh, where you're looking down on your little robot in your VR 3D world um, but a lot of the puzzles meet, it force you to look around corners to actually continue the platforming and actually mm. find the find the platforms uh, which is a, a cool use of that. I think there's a, there's a oh god there's another game similar which has a mouse in it
2: yeah uh, r- oh. m, the, the mint m- uh, Murgatroid uh,
0: <laughs> I've I I played the one you're talking about Moss, moss? Moss. Moss.
2: I was going to say Miriam Margulies, but no, it's Moss.
1: Yeah, and it's um, it has this kind of pastoral charm to it, though I don't think it's actually a very good platformer. And I feel, feel like um, the, the bespoke uh, Sony-created stuff is actually uses the medium in interesting ways rather than just being a basic 3D platformer. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, it feels like there has to be an extra reason in VR to, to actually make it feel special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. So does this, like... Does this have you tempted by any of the PC VR kind of things? The trouble is It's becoming part of your gaming life, like, even in these extraordinary sectors.
1: It is, yeah. Like, I I do... I really like VR, actually. Um, I've actually been watching loads of 3D films in VR. I actually Mm. watched Avatar and didn't hate it. What? (laughs) You watched what? Because I I watched it in the cinema, and I hated it because it's rubbish. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) watching it in VR, just the the sheer spectacle of... And the the 3D effects and how, kind of... Mm. Oh, so uh, what do t- you get
2: from it in VR? It, like you're, just you're seeing... actually there
1: in the film. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. You're there with this uh, mighty whitey guy who uh, <laughs> discovers a new culture and then becomes better at the culture than they are. Uh, <laughs> um, which is a, it's a, it's horrible. It's a terrible <laughs> it's, film it's in that respect. It's, it's, it is it is bad. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not like <laughs> not endorsing it, um, but I think actually having a headset on though it can be uncomfortable for me the VR uh, sorry the 3D uh, effect is much more pronounced than it is in like 3D Mm. cinema or anything like that so actually seeing them leap off a cliff and then strangle a Dragon (laughs) which is a thing that happens in that film um, looks great and it's like whoa this is amazing and likewise I've just gone through loads of 3D films like Gravity um, that actually have actually really thought about how to make 3d work in a cinematic context Uh, and that that's that's kind of special actually it's really good i've I've been really impressed Mm. even if the the films themselves have been
0: deeply culturally insensitive (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was I, I, i bought disney plus and it was the fact that like avatar was suggested on like the first page of suggestions amongst that raft of you know stuff was like come on stop trying to make this happen please but Much more yeah.
1: of it is happening, Chris. Apparently, how many. God knows how many films like are actually coming from... Oh the my thing, god.
0: Because, right? like, if things are going to get real weird in six months when there are no new films or TV shows, right? Because none of them will have been made. So, surely Avatar wouldn't be the thing that survives that. But maybe it is. <laughs> I think that might be a, a terrible future. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. But, uh, honestly.
0: Ugh. Chilling. Um. You mentioned earlier uh, games where people from London take <laughs> Tango a lot, and then give each other significant but entirely platonic glances. <laughs> um, Doctor Bingo Clan, yes. Would you like to discuss the cadaver this, on this, this table? T- this. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, we well, actually—I mean, we've already talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, Tom was already um, given his his. Uh, eloquent take on the latest Call of Duty single player Mm-mm. extravaganza. Uh, but then last week, uh, you said you had, you had played it as well. Yes. And I then have. I felt uh, I needed to, uh, find reason to hoof it right in the balls as well. Mm-hmm. So I played it. I paid 50 whole pounds Ooh. of money to 50. Bobby Kotick to experience a game which uh i'm largely disgusted by it <laughs> yeah. so this is, i mean i i
0: want to i want to put like a, a little caveat in front of my own thing because i said in the podcast break last week that i have not been more like more disgusted by a piece of like entertainment for like a, 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 ever i don't think um oh no i mean
4: surely other pre- preceding call of duties must have, yeah, I, must no, have been. I, don't,
0: I i i think if this that's what fascinated me about it like uh this game really felt like they leveled up their ability to do tasteless things.
4: <laughs> they certainly are trying very hard to push the envelope in in, in certain sequences.
0: Um so so yeah I'm interested, I'm interested to see what you made of it. I, I I bought it not for fifty pounds, I think I managed to get away with thirty, partly because I was really enjoying uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Um really like it actually. Watsone? Yeah, Watsone. Uh, they are spicy and, and delicious and I like it a lot actually. Uh, and I, it got me wanting to play COD multiplayer and I bought it for that purpose and really like the multiplayer. And there's this whole game there which makes a ton of sense really, you know, in terms of it being a known thing and you can even download these bizarre 90s style theme DLC packs so that you can give your favourite operator a surf bum themed gun skin or something. And there's all this, this, this shit and it would be perfectly fine as this multiplayer game, already extensive enough as it is. And then, but bolted to it is like genuinely one of the most technically impressive and like, but like least, uh, appealing bits of enter- like mass market entertainment I think I've ever become aware of. And I'm fascinated <laughs> by that, like, by that dichotomy because it's uh, it's not that it's bad or that it's undercooked. It's that it's like a series of really intentional and I think appalling decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Can and we, I, um,
1: sorry, sorry to yeah. interrupt, Chris. I wonder if, if we could talk about the uh, the long sen- sequence where you're a child with a screwdriver who has to <laughs> fucking kneecap <hell>. people. <laughs> I thought that was that was one of my highlights of the game. Actually,
3: I I, <laughs> I, I mean,
4: both me- mechanically, I thought that was a far more interesting uh, thing than nearly any of the other just plain COD shooting sequences. Mm. But also, no, okay, it was deeply offensive. At <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like this,
0: uh, I, I I I have to. admit, I played it two weeks ago, so maybe it's fresher for you. But like, I went through the whole thing in this state of like kind of astonished like discussed partly because of how in fact like one thing about it and I think the reason it, it surprised me other cards previous cards have done you know questionable things but the fidelity has not ever been 100% there and in some cases the fact that it will wrest control away from you to force something I think it doesn't excuse what's going on in the game but it somehow takes you out of it sufficiently whereas One thing I want to say, like, I was genuinely incredibly impressed with how finely woven into the experience all of its kind of scripted sequences and like light choice moments are. Um uh, I just wish they were there for a purpose that wasn't really shocking (laughs) in in its tastelessness. Like that's the that is the I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm overregging it, or or Tom, I'd be interested if you had the same read. Like I'm thinking specifically of things like the very early level with a terrorist attack in london which is both wildly unbelievable and then full of these tiny moments of people begging for their lives and being gunned down in the street that are close enough to feeling real that it seems deeply inappropriate is it like, is yeah.
2: it doing the thing where you're bit be- it's putting you on the side that's doing the gunning down what's the um no what's the the so framing? i
0: mean yeah maybe, maybe we need to step this back in and unpack it a little bit like yeah. so that sequence you are uh, like Uh, a member of the special the SAS or something but you're there trailing a van that you think's got terrorists in it and then suddenly bomb goes off everyone's screaming and dying and you're chasing people through the streets and you're in you're in Piccadilly Circus and there's um you know and suddenly there are van loads of men with guns coming from different directions and the metropolitan police are there dressed as they normally would be but they're somehow extremely heavily armed which they wouldn't be um but the, you'll hear something like but it's full of like it's, it's an fps level but it's full of these weird little kind of like semi-organic moments where someone will say like you know over the radio here like there's hostages in the subway or the uh, on the tube and you go if you know where the tube station is you go down there and then you'll you'll maybe shoot one guy and you'll see two civilians get executed while screaming and begging for their lives and then a cop will appear and shoot the other one and these are like little stage moments that sort of um, are woven in and out of regular play, and then there are there are there are levels that are built entirely around that concept, where you're like clearing buildings full of potential terrorists in the dark, uh, which are horrible. Um, you're never you're never put in like the no Russian you do the gunning down situation, but you're forced to kind of confront it constantly.
1: I found that those sequences were the most um, effective. Sounds like it's a compliment, but what I mean by that is that in terms of what the game's trying to achieve. Those house clearance sequences are uh, very incredibly well produced and executed in terms of the, the feeling that, mm. it, that it wants to give you. Um, however, it is awful because it's it's so realistic and it's so um, close to how those messy um, kind of special forces raids happen um, that actually it, it's it is it, kind of stomach
2: churning in a way. And the well, stomach churningness is coming from the fact that it's it's still a gleeful. Shoot gun man game.
1: No, I so I don't think it's actually those sequences aren't gleeful; they're just kind of awful. It's just um, you, so you'll burst into a room, and then there'll be a woman, and uh, she'll like be like scrambling desperately for a gun or something just to defend herself, and then you shoot her. And I don't know, this it's just a, a cold, mm. horrible fantasy to actually realise with so so much fidelity. Mm. I th- um How
0: did you hmm. find it, much?
4: Well, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's, it's, it's a weird, um, uh, sort of ping ponging back and forth between being what is an incredibly brainless piece of mass market entertainment and also trying to approach subject matter that would be in any circumstances incredibly challenging. And, you know, they want to, Appear to be like gritty and provocative, and say, you know, war—it's always dirty, and you don't know, come out clean. And we've got to be sometimes it dirty. takes a bad man to
0: take down the bigger, badder man.
4: <laughs> exactly, whilst you know, making slightly homoerotic eyes at his underling. Yeah, and I. I It's yeah, but it doesn't have anything to say about these things except Mm. oh, but they're completely necessary. (laughs) Thank God for that. (laughs) And yeah, and it just and it just leaves it at that. You know, and that's yes. that's not good enough. It just absolves itself of any kind of responsibility to say that these things are bad because it makes everybody do them, and every every part it's like everybody involved, every character in that game at some point tortures another person horrendously, <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> or you are tortured yourself, and like it's and and also I mean there are really bad bad people in the world, and I'm sure some of them are Russians. But but it it does it seems a little bit glib that it makes its arch enemy not only uh, just this horrendous mass murderer but also uh, implied a, a paedophile as well. Yeah. <laughs> just like oh come on. Well,
0: i, I was <laughs> gonna, like it's. I think the thing that shocked me most about it because one thing that's weird about it is it's almost it, this game was made by you know a million different studios and mm. you don't know who's responsible for what and there are definitely sections where it feels like it goes from like. Like I think I, I don't know. I'm saying this for sure, but it feels like one studio was given charge of war crimes. Like, can you just make sure this has a certain <laughs> amount of like convention-breaking acts of state terror in it? And this other company will go away and make levels where you fight a big juggernaut man by doing steam valves in his face. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, go and because you on. have both of those things. But the thing that really struck me about it was, I think if it was just the kind, like, obviously there's tons of modern military games that step wrong in all of these sorts of ways and clancy stuff etc but the thing that i think made me kind of like really sort of like alarmed by this is i think i think there was a concerted attempt to be responsible in certain ways but it's gone all the way around to just like full-on uh cowardice like it's it's there's um so there's a you know there's a really ham-fisted moment early on where it says um this this uh this or this organization they're not terrorists they're actually criminals um they're criminal anarchists and they're trying to blow stuff up because they hate the free market but not in a religious or ideological way just because they're they're bad but however they are all middle eastern uh, and they are going to belong to an organization with an arabic name whose whose acronym is aq so there's you're not going to be left with a long list of things that might be an analogy for but all we've done is try and give us an exemption from the really stickiest nastiest aspect of of this which is either the racist element or or the or the religious element um and similarly you yes, you know, your your big baddie is a uh Russian uh general who lives in a mansion and, and all the rest of this stuff and who is dangerously um playing the the international game of biological weapon terror. But don't worry, he's not actually sanctioned by the Russian government and they would like him gone just as much as 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 you know, as as you do. And you know, we're gonna try and we're going to try and address this series' long-standing issue of how it presents uh, people from from, from uh, the Middle East and Asia by having two of the principal characters be, be young people, young freedom fighters who definitely aren't from Afghanistan. They're definitely not from Afghanistan. We're going to call the country something else. It's definitely not Afghanistan. It was invaded uh, first by the Russians and then by the Americans. But it definitely... It's not... Shut up. It's not Afghanistan. Um, and you're definitely not going to like that whole sequence where you're a like seven year old not Afghan girl crawling around on the kitchen floor trying to stab a Spetsnaz man to death with some scissors (laughs) (laughs) is, is kind of extraordinary but it's like and then it all culminates in this moment where it forms like the war crime Avengers where they're all like you know, it's yeah. like <laughs> where they're like the 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 frazzled CIA woman who's like, "How are we going to do enough war crimes to get out of this one? Um, who are we going to call?" And it's like, <laughs> it's like it's these guys, and it does this like panning shot of them all, like, "Yeah, we're in it together." And it's the young black Londoner and the older SAS dude who you remember from the other games, and two definitely not Afghan freedom fighters, uh, or maybe at a push, they may they might be Kurds, like, but they're definitely you know, um, but.
4: What, I mean, so this, you just hit upon something which I find exasperatingly stupid about the entire setup, which is, I mean, okay, so they have this pretense that they're gonna approach this mature subject matter, but then their solution is fucking, you know, uh, khaki of Avengers, basically, which makes no sense. Who is Captain Price? I mean, is he, is he the, there's nobody who seems to be in command of him. He just seems to go anywhere and make (laughs) deals with the CIA as he pleases. Is he our, is he the UK's envoy to Langley? This fucking mustachio, I, it's exasperating. But I, I would challenge you on the, the, the idea that this is the most offensive Call of Duty game by, <laughs> I think this is maybe third? Maybe third? It could be second, actually. But, but Black Ops 2 was definitely, like, way worse. <laughs> really? Because, yeah, because it had actual kind of historical revisionism in it. Mm. I mean, whereas this that, game yeah. is always, is it's, you know, future looking. Uh, e- even if it is absolutely abhorrent in most ways. But at least the places it, it describes are fictionalized. You know, okay, so it kind of relocates the highway of death, an American war crime, to being a Russian war crime in a fictional country. <laughs> mm, yeah, but, exactly. but it doesn't excuse, for example, the CIA's support of Nicaraguan death squads, right. um, which Black mm. Ops 2 absolutely does. Like, there's a character in it who says, oh yeah, that was just an accident. He actually uses the word accident. Death toll (laughs) 30,000. You know, and, you know, we don't target civilians, says one character in the CIA's defense. And it's just like, just nonsense, isn't it? I mean, they they do. Maybe you're right. (laughs) Like,
0: I think I was just sort of, I think for some reason there was a disconnect in my brain between the openly tasteless, stupid things that happened in the noughties, Hmm. um, and, and early teens. (laughs) <laughs> and the game now yeah. you know like it's cuz they've made half this effort i think through the, the like their fictionalization which they must think is subtle but it's not because as you say they just transplant real things and and again revise them um at least they didn't yeah. get
4: uh what's his name uh the oliver north uh to to come out and uh, pr the game for them uh, <laughs> who's, oh yeah you know oh, a, a guy who's who's literally convicted or felony, thanks to his involvement in the Iran
0: Contra thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah, man, the, um, I, yeah, the, I think the other thing is like, it lands on this point, which is that like, there is no state actor involved here that's, it's responsible. Like, it's, war is just like a couple of bad apples versus a couple of good apples. And, you know, like,
4: Everybody's bad. All these apples are yeah. dirty, Chris. You can't have a you can't have a clean apple without making other apples
0: dirty, <laughs> can you? Not if you're cleaning you your apples with some other apples. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Now nosh me off. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's that's the subtext in every conversation. It is. He's
0: Christ got has. he's got very kind eyes, and he's a murderer. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Limpid eyes. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a wonderful moustache as well. I have to say, like there are. I mean, the, the game is is bad uh, as a, as a game. I think also. Um, mm. but but um, it is it is genuinely spectacular, and it's it's a shame that so many incredibly talented technical artists mm. have been put to work on something to which is, uh, you know, almost or <laughs> almost kind of culturally meritless. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it's, it's like,
0: yeah, it's so impressive, and like if yeah, it feels like. It just and also I think interesting as a, a milestone because I just don't can't see it existing in any other medium. Like I feel like games are the only medium capable of this. Like Gerald <laughs> Butler's given it a good old jolly try. Yeah, I guess he has, but like I don't know. You don't get they don't do Happy Meal toys for Zero Dark Thirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's some. It is the
4: added level of realism to this. Uh, the kind of the the ricochet between super gritty dark material and just, you know, complete and utter brain full of farts nonsense. Mm. That's the that's the real thing. I don't think I think, you know, even the dumbest Gerard Butler films, they are they are dumb throughout. Like it's stupid like a, a the, the Brighton and the stick of rock, you know um whereas this is just such a kind of veneer of uh of realism to it i mean that's part of what what is so kind of fetishistic about it right all the all the guns all the guns and they all have the right clips and the bits and the widgets and the doodads and his his mustache and the way his (laughs) eyes crease you know because the rigging on the faces is so compelling and uh yeah and like
0: yeah and the moments where it's like attempting because the performances are genuinely good as well. Like I think the actors yeah. did a good job both with the performance capture and with the voice acting generally. Like it's it's that's what's I think the striking lack of like calorific value to like anything in it. Like they're they're like they they allow a, a Russian man into the Khaki Avengers right at the end, I think, <laughs> just simply for balance's sake, you know, to have completed the set. And like it's like, so you can see it really transparently, the whiteboard, where it's like, we do want to have there be a good guy or a good girl or, you know, from every faction that we're representing to the, to show that we're being balanced and that really it's just a couple of bad apples responsible for all this war crime. Um, so what are we going to do for the Russian character? Well, he's going to be called Nikolai. He's going to wear a tracksuit and he's going to drive a transit van into a war zone to deliver you <laughs> some bombs you need. <laughs>
2: That's all of the Russians, pretty much represented right there.
3: Yeah, it's like... yeah but you have
1: in the same game you have um, an entire level where you sit on top of a building with a sniper rifle, and mm. Russians park up and <laughs> run quite slowly towards you without taking cover, yeah. and you kill hundreds of them. And I don't know how you really square those two things.
0: <laughs> so... No, and then and literally you can press escape and you should and go back to the main menu, and then you can play another game. Where a skull face man kicks you out of a plane so that you can (laughs) wrestle people for, you know, SMG clips. Like, the, (laughs) like, or another mode where you can press four to momentarily be a cruise missile. (laughs) I like that
1: mode.
4: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't come to, uh, this expecting very much, because I'd already been fully primed basically by, by you guys. But, I what was what was surprising to me is how uh, weak I thought all the shooting was in it. Not the actual kind of the the sensation of bullets leaving your digital gun, which is of course expertly modelled, but just the combat scenarios and the way it's executed are garbage. Like just mm. just it's just there's the these games have always had a problem uh, articulating gun battles because they're generally just corridors basically and you proceed along them then a checkpoint happens and then more enemies come towards you and you can push forward and hit another checkpoint and that's that system has become increasingly difficult to manage with larger arenas basically because it's not clear where you put the triggers Mm. for the next sequence to kick in and the result of this has been that it's really easy to break these games if in if you don't do exactly the prescribed thing and that's and that seems to have just got more and more true and it's incredibly true in this where you like none of your allies or your enemies seem to be doing anything that makes any sense at any point you you run forward and then there'll be kind of like enemies who've somehow got behind you and are now shooting over your shoulder at their kind of in the direction of their colleagues. And then your allies will have somehow f- leapfrogged the enemy and are kind of milling about in the far distance. Everybody just seems to be everywhere. There doesn't seem to be any kind of line of battle. And so it's incredibly difficult for you to work out where you're meant to be. And loads of the time the you just end up kind of running in the wrong direction and getting kind of uh jam faced and then dead in in very quick succession and uh, the and it's just like a it's just like a trial and error like oh okay I wasn't meant to go over there maybe I can go over to this bit and you're like oh no that's that's an invisible wall I'm dead now and then you go over there and then suddenly you know oh th- this is where I need to stand for the helicopter to explode and mm. you're like oh just just I it's it's just it's it's held together with the most kind of flimsy material, even though it looks so substantial when it's doing when you're doing the right thing it's just so brittle, easy so easy mm. to break, you push on any direction other than the intended one and the entire thing snaps.
1: I think the way that shooters have matured in the last ten years actually um, pushes you into s- sandbox arenas so if we are thinking about stuff like Doom uh, 2016 mm. and Eternal mm. uh, Wolfenstein, um, a lot of the this really good modern shooters—they um, actually are, you know—they throw you into a kind of space with a bunch of enemies that aren't fucking idiots <laughs> um, that could actually move around and try and kill you. Um, whereas the Call of Duty's approach is almost like a, it's almost like a kind of ghost train type thing where you sort of you go forwards into a street and then all the enemies run out the assigned piece of cover and then when you shoot them. Another identical enemy runs out their assigned piece of cover, and it, it's almost like the, the facade doesn't hold up anymore because like mm. other shooters are just so so much better. And Destiny as well is just like another great sandbox shooter where you just the enemies are dumb and they're there to be destroyed. Um, mm. But they 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 aren't. There isn't that kind of like ah uh, this sounds weird but so a, a, a lack of respect for the player. Yeah. In, in Call of Duty, whereas it, it, it's, here's a shooting gallery, but it's trying, but it doesn't present itself as a shooting gallery, it presents itself as some sort of Tom Clancy action movie. Um, and it, it, those two aspects of the Call of Duty franchise have never met up, I don't
0: think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like that would be... It wouldn't be fine, but it would be like... You can accept it as a kind of a passing thrill just against to to the next scripted thing. If the like, what it was going for creatively wasn't so strange enough putting. Like, I suspect that the people who don't give a shit about whether or not it's horrendous, you know, who who aren't offended by it and and don't care, would be equally happy with a lighter take on this idea, right? Like, the Bad Company thing, which was done successfully, where it's Mm. a big old violent episode of the A-Team, you know, to to make it more James Bondy or more obviously heightened rather than this kind of gritty thing. But there's this strange desire to deliver this really kind of like, kind of like, cheap thrills entertainment, while trying to trying to get you to believe that this is profound. Like, I, I not to keep moaning, but holy shit! The audacity of the quotes that appear when you die <laughs> is extraordinary. <laughs> so, what genre
2: have they gone into? Because they must have done all the quotes all by of now. Them. Yeah, all
0: of them. So it's either going to be like. Um, a quote from like you know a, a Churchill or something like you know big book of war quotes or it'll be Gandhi or and this is the thing that really gets me it'll be a character from the game so it'll be like <laughs> you're either going to get like sometimes you'll get this quote which is like um, nosh you know, me off Gary we- <laughs> 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 yeah exactly that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I it's some platitudinous thing. Like, you I know, think he was actually if we wish to be free, that and that. we must do a crime.
1: I'd say replace all the. Someone should mod in just Terry Pratchett quotes in the place.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Every single one of these.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't normally get hyper negative, but, but given how much I enjoy the but like, I had a great time with Warzone, Warzone-y, and and with um. And with regular card multiplier, because it's a lot of fun. It's good. Run around, get shot in the back. Next time, it is you who shoot someone in the back. cycle of life continues. That's I think
1: excellent. one of the, so the most fun I've had as a news writer has been, uh, mocking Call of Duty over the many years I've been doing this. Um, I think my favourite one, which is, this is really unfair to do, but, uh, I put, <laughs> I put a, a George Orwell quote about being shot in the neck by a sniper. <laughs> next to a description of what it is like to actually die in call of duty and <laughs> it just kind of it like because call of duty has that potential it wants to have those george orwell quotes in there it wants to kind of seem mm. like it's profound or deep in that way um but it, it, there's so much absurdity in the combat itself like it's not even lethal it's not even very lethal combat it's not like red orchestra where that's for me like a much more realistic depiction mm. of, uh, of a co- close quarters conflict uh, Than Call of Duty is, uh, but it still wants to try and pretend that it is that.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's just sort of striking, like how unnecessary it feels to me that they make this this way. But I guess <laughs> well, maybe
4: they maybe they won't now that they've mm-hmm. got the the big cash uh, cow of um, what's on, eh? Maybe they'll just stick with that <laughs> forever and uh, spare us the single player games. I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, there is a. I mean, it has a. F- post credit sequence which does heavily imply the expansion of the war crimes avenges. <laughs> yeah. Like are like, oh, the the like does the 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 pleased with themselvesness where like Captain Price goes for coffee with the frazzled CIA woman minor spoilers and he kind of you know, his eyes sort of go soft and he gets this big load of folders out and it's all the characters from the old modern warfare games. That you you remember you know um mm. Jerry's what's,
3: ab- um, <laughs> what's weird about that
4: sequence is Dr. that the- bomb so he's like i've got to put a team together and the CIA lady is like no i'm, I'm not going to allow that and he, he basically says well i'll off and she's like okay then and then she hands him a folder and then yeah. he opens the folder and then he explains <laughs> who the people are in it to her <laughs> it's like but <laughs> How did she have the folder with the team that he said he wanted to make?
0: And then how did she not know who anybody in it was? I don't understand. There's nothing. And the thing is, you don't actually see what's in the folder. So I, I like to believe that there's nothing in those folders. That it's, it's like, it's just like this act of role play. Like, it's like, I, can, I, need, I need to pretend to be giving you this folder or I can't say Simon.
4: <laughs> there's also, there's also a good cinematic sequence just as they're introducing the final mission. Obviously, you've got the, you've got the uh, khaki Avengers together at that point. And, um, it's, it's like one of these kind of like, you know, uh, the planning phase where it's, it scans over some maps and then there's like a thing, a diagram with pinpoints in it to show kind of exit and entrances. And there's a, a, a you know, the, the bomb that they're going to use. And then there's, uh, it's, it passes over a photograph of, uh, all of them standing <laughs> beside each other. <laughs> like, did they, did they take a picture of themselves <laughs> and they pin it to their own plan board? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Friends, yeah, <laughs> squad. Like, and it's also the whole thing,
0: which is like, um, you know, we this mission must be done off the books. Who could possibly do it? I guess it's. I guess it's just these bastards. Um, and if only we had some kind of independent-ish militia, we could helicopter in from a different war-torn country to do this unaccountably. <laughs> Um, yeah, none of you know the UK or America definitely couldn't be implicated in this anyway. Do use a flare marker to call in a drone strike, <laughs> an independent drone strike, presumably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, freelance
1: uh, drone strikes. Uh, yeah. the fuel of Call of Duty plots.
2: <laughs> Maybe it's all just Price's fantasy. That's what you're playing. Like he's <laughs> he's actually just this very lonely man.
0: It's yeah, it's but it's a um, it's an extremely intense weekend away with the TA. Yeah, that yeah, he's he's sort of. Well,
4: there there is a moment in one well, I can't remember which um, Call of Duty it is. It's the one set in the future where lots of people are cyborgs and they they get a cyborg disease and they all go mad. Do you remember which one that was? <laughs> and it's uh, got uh, Infinite
2: Warfare. Yeah, it sounds like Infinite uh, Warfare. Y-
4: yeah, could be. Um, uh, it's got Starbuck in it. Um, um yeah. play Starbuck. Get I name. Yes. Um, anyway uh, spoilers she dies and she's a cyborg and you go into her brain and then it's um, it's a a World War 2 battle and it sort of implies that all of Call of Duty have been the misfiring dying neurons of a cyborg brain (laughs) 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 which I think would have been a good note on which to end the series (laughs) but somehow it has persisted money I guess
3: switch me off Jerry (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- uh, sorry for, for leading this Half hour Exorcism of that Fucking game <laughs> But Warzone's very good like it a lot yeah. You can drive a big truck Handles badly Kill man real good Beep 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 Alex mm. What have you been doing With your time And life
2: um, I've been Sort of Trying to escape Really I found mm. Um I got I got some Animal Crossing um last week and yeah. I've played barely any of it because um my daughter and my wife have been playing it instead and that's been really nice to see really lovely to see you know, mm. like properly like my wife and I played on GameCube years and years ago so it's nice to see her returning to the series um mm. but what that's tra- what's that's actually boiled down to is evenings in which uh, my wife plays Animal Crossing and I play uh, Red Dead Redemption and she's hunting uh bugs and i'm hunting mammals and it's really nice i just mm. it's um the the similarities or at least the what you can construct from uh red redemption is actually quite close in bucolic sort of escapism uh as what uh as what um animal crossing is designed to create and that's been really nice to kind of rediscover because i kind of yeah, I, 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 mean, I really like, i we've all played Red Red Dead Redemption, haven't we? Haven't we? We all I have any? not. You I haven't played play it. So, yeah, like, it, it's, I, I've kind of struggled with it. I got it at release and I played it a bit and I've kind of, uh, it's very big and, and it's beautiful and things, but it's very big and I got a bit lost in it. Um, but like, returning to it over the last couple of weeks, uh, just getting to just canter about on my horse, um, sort of, I have been devoting myself pretty much to hunting which which sounds bad because hunting's bad right but um but I'm I'm an ethical hunter I've decided i I only go for the perfect pelts so um I kind of
0: <laughs> I only kill beautiful things
2: exactly exactly um, uh and like and, and you know and I always choose the right gun to preserve the perfect pelt but, um, it also means that it's just one shot to kill them, if, as long as I aim it right. And that's, that's humane, right? Hmm. Pretty sure.
0: Um, yeah, it's what the bear would have wanted.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I, um, it's just the quiet of just going through a forest and creeping around and looking for tracks and, and finding new birds to, to spot for my, you know, for the, um, for the compendium thing. And, um, just adding to that, and and finding rabbits and and making hats out rabbits and making hats <laughs> out of skunks. It's just, I don't know. It's been exactly what I wanted because I'm not been able to play Animal Crossing. Did you get into the the hunting much, Matt? Um, n- no, I didn't. I didn't do it in order to make
4: stuff. I did it quite a bit in order to feed the camp. Um, right. But I, I, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to make trinkets out of these noble beasts.
2: <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like there are so many facets to the game that you, like, I. I didn't even. Know, like, I suppose it makes sense that you can feed the camp. I didn't. It never occurred to me that I would take food back to the camp. I, oh
4: wow! I, you see, I was obsessed with that. I thought that was one thing I had to do.
2: Yeah. I think <laughs> okay, this is. I, the, I think this that. is just one of the games where, like, anything you choose to do and get into. Like, it just feels that this is the game that was designed to do that, you know? Because it's also, um, it makes, may just it manages to make pretty much everything you do feel meaningful, doesn't it? Like, it, there is a sort of a full, fully thought out system to it. Um, there's feedback to everything you do. And like, yeah, I've never fed anyone in the camp. I go to camp occasionally. Someone will comment that I, you know, that I smell. Uh, <laughs> so I have a bath. Mostly because I'm worried about the odor that I'm kind of giving the animals as I'm trying to hunt them, uh, and then go back out again. <laughs> huh. Yeah,
4: before every time I um, I left on a mission, I'd make sure to come back with an animal as a as a as a gift to the the cook.
2: Aww.
3: Oh, that's my little routine. Oh, That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that cute. I mean, I did kill a thing
4: yeah i i did one i did one legendary hunt Right. Uh, i can't remember what it, of of what beast it was and i was just like mm, uh, it seems weird that I should be rewarded for killing the most noble animal <laughs> you know <laughs> the most successful animal that has lived such a long time that it's become legend i should end that legend <laughs> it, i i don't know it didn't sit, sit right with me i i'm not a natural predator
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yes of course, and i've definitely like i i I took a, a, a like a pot shot at a, at a fox before because okay so to give a, a quick praise to it so there are animals running around you all the time when uh, you're playing um and by clicking in both sticks if you're playing on a pad um you'll go into sort of like bullet timey mode um, but you also get to see like detectivey mode and you get to see the scent trails of the, mo- the animals around you if you've found seen an animal or identified an animal before of one of those trails it'll tell you what the trail is of um, and then you can uh, press r1 to track it and that way when you exit a uh, detective mode um, you can then see uh kind of like a yellowish sort of trail going off into the distance but it pulses gently so you've it's hard to see amongst undergrowth and things so you still feel quite sort of skillful as you try to follow it and there's a time limit to how long you it it maintains as well so you've got to keep on top of it and all the time the monster will be kind of monster the animal will be moving (laughs) along as well so you've got to kind of pick up the pace um if you haven't seen it before um you've got to like observe uh an animal beforehand, whether through your binoculars if it's far away or if you've creep can creep uh close enough to see it through your naked eye and you've got to sort of look at it for a while and hold down the button and keep it in the middle of your view in order to see what it is and then it gets added to your compendium and um and like and each of these creatures like and there are hundred and eighty different species across the game, something like that. It's, you know, it's, it's just in, incredible amount of stuff. And they all, you know, they're, this, this, they all behave differently. You know, they all have their own specific, they have their own animations as you skim them. <laughs> they have like interior bodies underneath the skull, uh, underneath the skin. You can see, you know, these strips of the, 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 the fur and you see kind of their little sort of naked sort of muscular kind of mm-hmm. bodies underneath, which is tragic. Just, I
4: mean, I- Either really traumatic for the, for the artist who is tasked with making all those things, <laughs> or they were a big fan of barbecue by the end. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then, and then also, yeah, this is also the fact that like a lot of the animals, especially the large ones, they had to animate specifically per species the, um, the process of skinning them. Obviously it doesn't do every step, but like you definitely skin an alligator very differently to an elk. <laughs> I think I, I'd like to know how. I mean,
4: obviously they are somewhat accelerated these uh, these things, but I mean, like, I don't think you can basically just tug a rabbit and they come inside out. Honestly, I think, no, I think no, that's
2: that that is how you skin a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> As about owner right? I I can tell you that's true. <laughs> Next, <An> rabbit owner. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, uh it is. I've just been finding it incredibly bucolic. Oh yeah, that's right. I was talking about the fox. Yeah, I like, I took a pot, pot shot of a fox, which I hadn't, um, uh, and you know, so the mon, the, the, the animals you see in the field, they will have a different sort of quality rating. This is a bit like Uber rating, I suppose, but for animals, <laughs> um, and they are poor, uh, good or perfect.
0: Does the animal get to rate you as well? Like, you know.
2: I'd hope so. I'd be very low <laughs> stinky hairy man. <laughs> and killed me. <laughs> and I took it, this fox appeared, and I didn't know whether it was perfect or not, because I didn't have time, because he was about to <laughs> just run over the, the brow of a hill. So I took shot of it with my, my uh, gun. Each animal requires a different gun to get a clean kill. And a clean kill, if you hit the right part of the animal, will kill it immediately, like straight off. So um, I used my varmint rifle, which is for most small mammals, and it took five shots and I was feeling awful and just like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. And I just took shot after shot after shot of it. And that pelt, that was poor pelt by the time I got to it. <laughs> Are
4: there any animals that you uh, refuse to uh, hunt out of a sense of their own, preserving their dignity as a, as a
2: beast? Absolutely not. If they're perfect, they're <laughs> mine. Because it could make for a nice piece of clothing. I can't kill. I can't kill cats. I hate killing oh, dogs. The cats. In games,
4: but uh, yeah, oh, the wild the, the wild cats. I can't. I um, haven't I thought can't. about that. I thought no. I, I probably don't.
2: would be able to kill a big cat because they've attacked me enough that I just yeah fuck them. Dogs. I, just, I no run way. away
4: from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's just flee them. Leave them. Leave them to their to their wild ways in the mountains.
2: It's definitely, but I've really enjoyed um, exploring the world, not as a way f- of just sort of getting from A to B, um, just being there and sort of observing the animals. And, and actually, like the main thing I want to do is fill out the compendium. So anything new, I'm kind of get quite excited about. And um, and you just see like layers and layers of extra stuff going on, the way that there are, you'll just come across, denied dynamic be placed a, con- a carcass of a just a naturally. Dead um, deer, and there are crows that, that flutter down to it. And you come nearby, and they all fly away. You go back away again, and they've come back down to the to the to the carcass again. Um, I was by a lake, and um, uh, a bald eagle came swooping down from the mountain, down splooshed into the water, and back up. And I managed to look at it through the binoculars, and it had it had uh, taken a like a water snake and was just flying off with it. And like, holy fuck! <laughs> Ooh, that game, yeah, that game. It's just, it's just a, I mean, it's a beyond, it's a beyond thing, you know. The thing that they've made is just so insanely detailed and multifaceted, and, you know, and for all this stuff is kind of flawed and weird and all that kind of thing. But I don't know. Right now, the the it's giving the opportunity to sort of subsume myself in a way that I'm really loving.
4: Hmm.
0: Hmm.
4: It's very restive.
0: Yeah. Uh, we are enjoying a uh, a brief pause now while we wait for Tom Senior to return um, because there's a loud boiler man in his room in his words, making sure he won't explode. Oh, he back?
1: He's back. He's back. I'm back. Um, but the boiler man might be back very soon. <laughs> um, but no, uh, it's both annoying and reassuring at the same time that this is happening because <laughs> I don't want to explode. That would be really sad. Did you um, did you
2: give um did you give him two meter distance?
1: Uh, no, he just sort of just wandered in, <laughs> and then he was just in the room with me, and it was just quite strange and not ideal.
2: Podcasting, <sighs> are we? Did he say that? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> Cast. He, yeah. The, Good platform. Oh, I love
4: them game. games. I do Call of Duty classic. <laughs> oh,
1: shit. <laughs> But yeah, things things are fine. Um, but I might not be able to deliver any instant hot takes for the next five minutes while this man, who is still yelling in my <laughs> in my hallway, <laughs> uh, does whatever he has to do.
0: <laughs> Just whatever needs to happen to make sure that gas isn't the thing that gets you.
1: I'll I'll keep you guys updated. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh. Talking
4: of gas, have you been having a gas <laughs> mm. in Bannerlord?
0: Thanks for that segue. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, Mountain Blade Two Bannerlord came out all of a sudden. I think they'd announced that it was going to come out in early access. This is a game that has been in development now for seven years, I think, and uh, so much so that I, you know, I hosted the developers on like the first PC Gamer weekend live stream in a wow. completely different part of my life and that must have been 5 or 6 years ago now so it's strange that it that it exists um, so this is the sequel to Mountain Blade which is actually I think probably the first game I ever backed in any kind of early access I must have bought that game in 2009? maybe that's too early but it's a long time ago when, when it was still just a sort of indie medieval life warfare sim um, and this is obviously super hotly anticipated and uh, it is released into a relatively, in a relatively complete, it's rough around the edges, but it feels pretty far along as these games go. Um I've played about four or five hours of it now, which is sufficient to, not really sufficient to judge it, because of the kind of game it is, and I'll explain that momentarily, Um but it is sufficient to have fallen into some very, very familiar patterns, and I think the thing that is most immediately surprising to me about it is... How similar to its predecessor it is. I think, given the sort of the success of Mountain Blade and given the time that has been spent on this, uh, it's not that I was expecting a huge departure necessarily, but I was expecting like a degree of polish, maybe, or like, you know, uh, evolution. Whereas it feels very much like a kind of, maybe there are things later on that are more genuinely new, but it feels like a, evolution of that game the first game's first expansion mountain blade warband um in in a new engine but fundamentally the same game and with lots of the same jank like exactly the same jank and that kind of um, surprised me a little bit I'm enjoying it but it's more of a kind of I was was excited to jump straight into it and it's more of a guarded response I think than I was expecting um so if you're not aware mountain blade is a game uh it's a sort of medieval simulator uh where you um build up a little warband of your own uh, which can eventually expand to become a kind of uh, a fiefdom uh as you kind of make your way in a simulated medieval world where a bit like something like elite every different uh you know every settlement
3: uh,
0: army you encounter character you encounter are all uh, independent simulated agents going about their own business they belong to empires and have their own you know, hierarchies and allegiances and those things have tied to political and economic systems in almost like a grand strategy sense that is going on around you at all times so if you see some peasants going from one village to another to a nearby town to sell something that is likely how the supply chain actually works and if you interrupt that it will have a knock on effect uh and and so on and, and so on um and the fantasy is that you sort of insert yourself into this initially in a very lowly position and eventually have your own lands and castles and things, and you're leading your troops in battle and in battle, you're doing uh, the first or third person kind of uh fairly granular melee action Tom senior, welcome back. Hello, you've banished the gas man, he's gone uh we're talking about blade banner lord um mm. or I am um and so basically um the there's a few things about it like so uh, it it's combat system is kind of there to work for like one on one sword fights and things but also for potentially mass battles between like hundreds of you know dozens of hundreds of participants and in that regard i think one thing i immediately realized because i i've always loved sword fighting systems as i've said many many times and i i've always liked Mountain blade because it was one of the games that started to really engage with that and give you a way of playing in that way um but in the meantime, I feel like I've been totally spoiled by Mordhau specifically, um, which has such a great feeling, granular, medieval sword fighting system, albeit one designed for much smaller numbers of people, that it feels like there's no way that this will ever feel as satisfying. Um, you know, i talked about Mordhau before, there's loads of great things about it, but the main one is like the feeling of hitting someone with a sword, the sense, it's a great way of... Giving you a, a real physical sense of where the where a blade is in space and how they interact with each other is kind of absent. Uh, and the other thing that has surprised me so the beginning of a, a mountain blade campaign is always kind of similar in that you get your initial warband and you protect it quite tightly and you try and build up till you kind of become a bit like the start of a grand strategy game actually until you're powerful enough to move about the world uh, and have a bit more freedom of, of what you engage. The beginning of a of a Uh, mountain blade campaign is traditionally chasing around bands of hillmen and bandits that are smaller than you uh, beating them up for xp and money um and the way you do this principally is by abusing their ai honestly and i think that's one of its downsides and that's the thing that that's the thing i'm most surprised to see be exactly the same yeah i was surprised
2: when i saw some some live streams of it
0: Um, that, so in battle, you have some tactical control of your own people. You can tell them where to go, where to stand to form shield walls and stuff. And that feels pretty cool. There is basically, but that's not what you're up against. You're not up against an opponent that's making decisions like that. What you're up against in most cases is an enemy force that knows where you are on the map. There's no hiding. There's nothing like that. They know exactly where you are and they will run at you. They will run at the nearest enemy thing in a straight line and fight it that's what they do they just will go for the nearest enemy thing in a straight line and at the start of the game you have a horse uh, so you can ride around a mount if you will and you can ride around and do things and you're usually leading a little warband of men on foot and the way you shore up your own you know win without taking any casualties is tell your men to stand still ride out ahead of them ride around your opponent and sort of the the best way I can describe it is kind of whisk them. It's quite it's quite risky to put yourself in combat with them. Like you can you can ride past and swing your sword down, it'll helpfully tell you what the relative meters per second speed of your sword versus their cranium was. Like, you know. Um uh it's helpful to have some ranged weapons, I've now got some javelins that I can throw at people. And you carry them, basically. But they will switch from running towards your block of troops to you, and they will chase you around. They will turn around. They'll chase you around for a bit, and if you go far enough away, they'll get bored. And um, imagine—it's almost like the best way I to describe it is like the air is more like it's more like stellar bodies colliding. Like you know, for a time, you have greater gravity than the pull of your men standing on a nearby hill, so you can split a group of enemies so that half of them are now chasing you and half of them are still running towards your opponent. And you can sort of inch back to pick up a few more. And it's almost a game at that point about trying to create a scenario where a few of the main enemies from the group forget about you and run towards your men to get munched in the meat grinder um, while you continue to harry and and tease apart the the main group. None of this has any... And and you consistently level up your tactic skill by doing this, but none of it has Anything to do with like an actual medieval battle or skirmish, it's it's totally gamey, and it's you could role play it and refuse to play that way and stand in the shield wall with your men, your shield up, and it is quite immersive to play that way. But it also is ruthlessly punishing um, because you'll get injured and that will take ages to heal. You might get you might even get knocked out or captured, at which point you are then a captive in the world. You know you're being traded around or waiting for a chance to escape and so it's a, it's a strange thing so far like I'm quite enjoying it because I quite enjoyed the originals but it's I think from a sequel I wasn't expecting that same real like bizarre lack of intelligence on the behalf of the people you're fighting like it, it does feel like you know you can even if, you know, if you're confident that you can win a battle you can just tell your men to charge and they will also know psychically where the enemy is and just follow them um, and hmm. then wait till the two lines of men clash together and just rely on the maths to kind of, to turn it your favor. Weird. Yeah, it is See, weird.
4: See, I, I thought, uh, that the previous, uh, games in this series were, they aspired to being more simulatory and serious and were held back only by technology at the time hmm. and their wanton jankiness. Whereas I would have thought that this game would have continued, kind of travelling in that same direction towards being simulation, but it sounds like it's actually veered off into something more arcadey. It sounds like it
2: sounds really. I mean, it sounds very and looks very much like the game that I played, you know, years ago. Like it's very similar, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's a deep sim. Like, it is. So, what I would say is, it's not arcade in the slightest. It's, it's deeply simulatory. Like, every projectile's velocity is measured. Every, you know, it, you're constantly seeing a feed of events in the world as castles change hands due to political machinations or battles you're not seeing. Like, it's, hmm. it's, there's a huge amount invested in the simulation of the world. The thing that has surprised me, and maybe this gets fixed over the course of early access, but I don't have a huge amount of faith in that because it wasn't really fixed for the original games, is that you and this is an interesting question or existential question for a game like this. It has this really impressive simulation of a medieval world. Um, but the basic unit of that is a skirmish between two war bands, right? That is the that is the event of, of the game, and it doesn't have AI for that. And that really surprised me because you know, once upon a time, it, it did feel that Martin Blade was taking a lot on for an indie game to also be this open world thing, this simulation this sort of granular medieval combat sim ai may be the thing you sacrifice there but for it to be missing at this level i find genuinely surprising and similarly like um it's you know the the there's a lot of you know generated characters and and stock scenarios that, that occur as you move around stock conversations and things like that but there are ways of presenting those and spicing those things up that are absent like it it feels like it's maybe not fully localized yet for english or or if it is that that no real attention has been paid to the to the craft of the writing in the game at all it's it's mm. you know um there's you know there's there is a story you know a critical path for you to follow but um and a lot of background it's a fictionalized europe really um it's a turkish studio right it is yeah um, and, and, you know, that stuff is, you know, it's not necessarily a priority in a game like this. is a huge sim. But again, it's one of those things that I felt like, I think after seven years of development, I was expecting, a, you know, a bit less of that sort of really um, sort of rough around the edges, uh, yeah. sort of experimentalness. Like, I don't know why I had that impression, but it felt like given the amount of attention and the amount of hype that it would be more... Um, more of a sort of polished retake on the same idea rather than Cause I'd, such a throwback.
2: It's like, it's, it's, and I'd love to talk to him about it because I, I can see, I mean, certainly the the, the, the mm. warband, the, 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 the combat side of it being a, like a big design challenge because yeah. you need to let the player feel like they can have a hack and a slash and play a pivotal role while you also need them to feel vulnerable you also want it to be like very strategic and for all of your little AI bandmates to have a very specific role in the battle but on the other hand because you're playing live you can't have granular like strategic control over them so you don't want to be in situations where oh you're on the other side of the map and everyone's dead now which kind of happens but like you know it happens because of the, yeah, the mad melee as opposed to, well, I set up this careful play and, you know, like total war style and it mm. all went to shit, but, but I couldn't control it because I was also wanting to hack and slash. Like it's a, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the problem was that once upon a time in the mid 2000s, someone had this idea to do this game and then it kind of couldn't really solve it at the time. And I'm wondering whether that, like oh, this game is like, like a massive hit already and it, the reviews the user reviews on Steam are really good. Like is it part of this game that it's the janky hack yeah. and slashy battle that they can't actually escape it even if they can solve these seemingly I'm really hard
0: in problems. I think there's a few sides to it. One is that um it might genuinely get better. Like there's there might be a degree to which like this really dodgy AI is specific to bandits and hillmen. Um uh you know that when you start to encounter because I've had some cool moments like I've, I've you know I've ended up intercepting a, a band of uh, looters that were fleeing a much bigger army and because I had caught them that allowed this other so army to catch up and that gave me a kind of glimpse at riding to battle alongside like a massive column of cavalry that were also there and that was cool I didn't see them do anything other than charge in a straight line but maybe the situation didn't call for anything else. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe in when you progress and you're fighting more organized forces, they display that and that could well be the case and I, I definitely want to leave the door open for that. My only kind of thought is it's it's a weird first impression and for it to be as as as, as rough as it is and um and and yeah, and I think the I think the other side of it is those games are also beloved i think because of the the modding that they supported in the other lives they had right like whether it's like lord of the rings mods or the game of thrones mods and the things that they're really optimal for and i'm just sort of curious to know to what extent the vanilla game will kind of satisfy people beyond a certain point like i, feel, I appreciate it. this sounds super negative and i kind of it didn't almost intend didn't to because i am enjoying it um but i uh, I did have a friend ask me the other day if I'd recommend it, and I honestly don't know if I would because it's such a uh, it was an acquired taste before and I think in doing a sequel in in redoing the engine in, in all of that stuff, there is an opportunity to take to build on the core fantasy of it and I think something that's really key to the appeal of these games like a lot of sort of life sim open world things like elite. Is that just as much about what they allow your imagination to do as, as what you actually do in them? Mm. And, uh, *Mountain Blade has always supported that, and Martin Blade is beloved because of that. It's beloved because, despite the fact that this, you know, it's been janky as hell for a long time, the people look really weird, and they look really weird in this one as well, um, uh, that you, you invest because it gives you all this space to imagine yourself as part of this fantasy world and to, to live in particular to live out a particular fantasy in the game, and that's why people get very emotionally attached to them and why they attract the the, the following that they do. With that in mind, I, I think it's a possible. You know, I, I find I find it's it's interesting. Ten years later, to be playing the same game and contending with the same barriers to my emotion, um, that's. Yeah and and so I'll be interested to see how the the reception uh pans out as well um and I, obviously it's early access and that should be the huge caveat around all of this that these things could could very easily uh change
4: you can play as a baby you can play as a
0: baby um apparently uh yeah it's got I don't know if you like I don't know if you could, there are kids running around the towns now, which I don't think were in previous ones. The kids, uh, so the one thing it does, which is great, uh, one thing I like a lot is, um, it does, it has, you know, it does allow you to, uh, play as female character, and so I've, I've made a giant swordswoman, I didn't realize how massive she was until I got into the game, and I just tower over everybody, which is great. Um, but the, uh, the original game had this, um, personality test, kind of personal history character creation system, where it's like, What were you like when you were a baby? What were you like when you were a teenager? And um, everyone is really big. Like People have big heads and big, burly, stocky bodies, men and women. And they wear big, big clothes. And the effect of this is that everyone in the game in normal dress looks a bit like Baby Yoda. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like at the best of times. And then for the kids, as far as I can tell, they just make the bodies smaller and the heads bigger walloping um, babies and so <laughs> you, and they do this like they, they kind of, once you've created your character they're like in your parents and uh, and then you as a child they derive you as a child from the adult version and then as a teen and a young adult from the adult version you've created and so you're treated to like this kind of gurning mutant baby like Funko Pop version of the character you just made while you decide like your early childhood was spent training with the half guard or something like that um the other thing that I like it does is when you're about to load into a battle on the kind of your your army versus their army screen, your character pulls a face based on how with you or against you, the odds appear to be. Um, and all of the, and they are all really funny. Like, like if you look like you're about to die because there's like 400 bandits coming over the hill, you do this face like, oh, man those were my chips <laughs> and if you if you're definitely going to kill all these people because there's 15 of you and 4 of them you're like gurning sideways into the camera like you're photobombing someone like it's it's really good. <laughs> I don't know why they've done that
4: shall we do some questions from questions mm. yes well won't. actually no we shouldn't oh. Oh. what because uh, we have two announcements to make The first is uh, that I've just seen on our Twitter account That uh, listener Elliot Metzen has att- uh, pointed us in the direction of Haggard Hawks Which is apparently an etymology podcast Which states that a gribble is a gnarled wooden walking
2: stick oh. mm.
1: ah. So there you go That doesn't,
2: that doesn't describe my uh, Gene cults at all <laughs> No <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: And the the other uh announcement is uh related to the um the question we had last week about a difficulty getting access to the podcasts. Um we put out a call to see if anybody else had had similar difficulties and other people have. It seems, thanks to the investigative work of listener spad that uh it relates to um people trying to use old RSS readers or um iTunes either an old version of iTunes on a new device or an uh, old version of iTunes on an old iPod or similar iDevice which has not been updated to the new version of iTunes which can access the sites using more recent security um, protocols. So HTTPS is how our, our host now serves MP3s and uh, older versions of iTunes cannot seemingly access MP3s via that. Hmm. Um, not quite sure to do about this. Um, we are looking to change hosting at some point, but there's no guarantee that any future form of hosting that we would use would use an older security standard because yes. that's insecure. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what the solution is. If you can update your RSS reader, um, then do so. If you can't, you're kind of a bit boned. Um, but you can probably access the MP3's direct yeah you can
0: download the empathy directly from the site so
4: yeah
1: and we're on uh, YouTube as well and we're on YouTube as well yeah yeah
0: thanks for looking into that much oh and Spotify you can get us on Spotify yeah we are on Spotify now oh
4: yeah
0: I forgot I'd done that (laughs) (laughs) anyway
4: should we do some questions some questions
0: Uh, yes yes let's uh, first one is 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 a long old one but it's worth getting the necessary context for the question this is from Toivo, uh, who writes, Dear Great End Grow Barn, I've been enjoying your podcast for half a year. Now I've sent you a question. In this context, I want to talk to you about a game called The Longing that I just finished. The Longing is a game where you play as a lonely little shade tasked with waking the slumbering king of an underground kingdom who will regain his might in 400 days. This is your only task. Wait 400 days from when you booted up the game in real time, ticking down even when the game is closed, and then wake the king. There's several different endings. You can explore the underground kingdom and take up hobbies, but the long wait is what it boils down to. Um, however, the game is not a mere gimmick or a deconstructionist parody of clicker games, as one might presume from the premise and from one of the official trailers for the game being literally four hours long. Uh, it's a beautifully crafted experience with serious uh, philosophical implications as deep as cr- uh, deep as the crust of the earth. Um, the uh, so the going to explain that uh, it's possible to do things in the game to uh, slow uh, sorry to speed up the process of progress of time essentially to increase the, the value of a given second um you can spruce up your room in the cosier it gets the faster time flies in there and after ransacking the kingdom and haul of, hauling half of it back i had gotten the timer up to 18 seconds per second this allowed me to finish the game far faster than in 813 months uh and much quicker than what i imagined it to be when i first heard of the game uh But the 400-day hook was too powerful for many people, as it turns out. Many of them didn't want to hasten the game, even going so far as to petition the developers to keep the timer at a constant one second per second so that the game could last over a year as advertised. Uh, So, which brings me to my question. In one of the last episodes, there was talk of playing games without the anxiety of completionism, talk of playing for yourself rather than a virtual trophy, to have fun without tedious challenges or side quests for just enough time. Are there any games where you deliberately want to take the long road Act out a lengthy scenario, toll hard in the grind field to make things extra difficult for yourself, all for that extra special personal sense of accomplishment, even if you get no steam achievement, no pat on the back, and no peer recognition. Perhaps the games where you take solitary pride in the number of quality of the steps you take, or one with a world that is simply enchanted to spend time in. Uh, best wishes, Toivo.
2: Yeah, this uh, this reminds me of um uh, this reminds me of playing uh, Vespa Vespa yeah, Five. Yeah, Vespa Vespa Five um which is a game made by uh oh my brain's gone i'm gonna look it up while i'm talking but um uh in it uh, you get to make uh one move per day um and you can't do any more than that and this is sort of it's a, like a, you're moving on a 2d tiles and uh you can make one move and you make a decision of which way you're going to go and you know a week into that decision, you might think, oh, wish I'd gone that way, but you've, you've kind of made it, and it's, it's sort of every tiny little extra reveal has extra meaning and things. Um, I like it, it's like that, it's the kind of the core appeal for me is obviously, um, Animal Crossing as well, like where mm. day is a, day is a day, is a day is a day, and, um, just watching that slow passage of time is, is cool. And like, I mean, obviously these games do reward you for playing in this way so it doesn't totally uh hold true to what 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 the letter right you know, what the well i think it's
0: about. i mean i think it, it does because i think you know the the animal crossing debate is so much about time traveling and changing a system clock to get things faster and you know a horse in that race person necessarily i understand some people just effectively cheat the way to the end of the game so they have the maximum amount of stuff so that they can do what they actually want to do which is design clothes yeah and that makes perfect sense. Mm. Um so to that extent I guess I am choosing to not do that and because I enjoy the fact that the game only asks a certain amount of me every day and it just sort of rolls on. Uh you know steadily with a you know a few things for me to do and then I can just sort of enjoy spending time in it or not.
2: Yeah 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 definitely. Oh um our Best for 5 is made by Michael Brogue of course it is. Of course it is.
1: Also, I think like uh, the mo- mobile games have been experimenting with time gating, like mm. aggressively time gating people for a long time now, and actually try- trying to uh, leverage that to get money out of people. So uh, I don't. I think it's kind of. I'd much prefer the Animal Crossing thing where people are changing their system settings to try and access different time zones mm. than uh, the developer actually sort of. Asking them to pay to speed that stuff up, right. um, because that that's quite a manipulative uh, mm. way of designing a game, yeah, for sure.
2: Because also, like you know, they are offering they're offering you the fruit, and uh, yeah, you have to pay for ghosts like which actually you're paying for it if you're kind of you know because Animal Crossing becomes a little bit meaningless. The things you see in my Animal Crossing when you get to choose to see them, it's like mm. it's you know it's the you know the big game thing like if you've got a game that's full of stuff that you can access at any point like th- the individual value of anything is much lower than when you have this tiny proportion of things you can see at any point and like in that you don't have any control over
0: yeah I suppose, so, sorry Gantel.
1: oh yeah so there's so much value i think particularly with animal crossing which is a good example of this sort of game um that there's just a huge social aspect to it in terms of having your place and inviting other people over to your place and sharing fruit and planting in each other's gardens and taking advantage of each other's settlements. Um, and That feels like actually such a worthwhile way of using this sort of time-gated game. Instead of it just being about progress, of course there are always going to be players who are going to chase that progress and they're going to chase the kind of, uh, they're going to, they are want to max everything out and get as, as much money as possible. And there are people in Peace Gamer's Slack chat who are, are trying to, um, game the tarantula hunting, <laughs> uh, to, uh, because there's a particular ven- vendor who turns up and, um, that that vendor buys tarantulas for one and a half times the price that the raccoons will buy from you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Graham on Pizza Gamer, uh, our video producer ha- like, he posted a screenshot in the Slack earlier that was just a beach that was entirely full of boxes of tarantulas because he was just waiting for that vendor to come so that he could sell and he reckons he's going to make 1.5 mil <laughs> <laughs> off of that. So uh, you can't, you can't stop the power gamers. You can just can't stop them. Um, but what I really like about Animal Crossing particularly is that it's not, it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's there for the power gamers if they want to do yeah. that. But it's not actually designed for them. It's designed for people who just want to tune in at day, day in and day out yeah. and sort of have a gardening experience. And that's what I love about the game.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the thing. Is it's it's ultimately about in whose interest is the time gating basically? And Animal Crossing is built around the notion that it is in your interest. The time gating. It's about furnishing uh, a gentle experience over time. And if you don't want that, you have the option to circumvent it. But it's yeah whereas in a in a mobile game or a free-to-play game that time gating is not in your interest it's 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 about fine it's about the the developer showing up and asking to be paid which is not unreasonable but it's also a very very different uh proposition
1: i think i think i think that um that monetization really undermines the spirit of the game Mm -hmm. that's quite a woolly thing to say i think but um I think there's a sort of integrity to Animal Crossing that I didn't get from the mobile version, for example, Yeah. Uh, that actually makes it feel much more like a worthwhile pursuit. And, and that's purely down to the monetization and the kind of the gating in order to, get, to try and spend money, um, which to me just cheapens the, the experience and the, and the charm of the game.
0: I think, that's, I think I was thinking about this, and I appreciate talking about Animal Crossing a lot, but I'm probably going to do some more talking about Animal Crossing in the future as well. But it, it occurred to me how important it is that Animal Crossing feels like it's there partly it's online systems are all built this way it's economies are built this way it's what could be addictive loops are built this way to make it kind of a safe thing for kids to play like Mm. you know it's it has you know there are so many kind of implicit not in dangers but you know risks associated with any kind of acquisitive gameplay or farming or fishing or or these kind of addictive loops and it feels very robustly made to make sure this is something that you could let a kid play and they may, may lose hours and hours to it but it's hopefully not a abusive of their investment or their time and it strikes me as it's absolutely essential that the game be so robustly made um, for children in order to best serve its actual target audience depressed millennials <laughs> <laughs>
2: and generation x's true um,
0: <laughs> true yeah <laughs> um, yeah any other slow burn games I mean I suppose that's how you're playing Red Dead right it's almost the theme of this whole mm. podcast
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think
4: Red Dead, I've said on the podcast before, is the, probably the first game which has uh, truly incentivized me not to fast travel, in mm. which I've enjoyed, genuinely enjoyed the journeys to between places more than the actual events that occur there. Which is, uh, yeah, I think that is a new thing for me. Mm. Usually I, I, you know, even in games which are beautiful like Skyrim, I pretty quickly end up fast traveling but uh, mm. not in Red Dead. I think it's just hit some sort of you know, particular watermark for for bucolia, which means that I am <laughs> suckered in.
1: I think uh, No Man's Sky is actually an interesting case mm. to consider here because um, I think a lot of people were very frustrated with the gating mechanisms in that game in terms of how it constrained you from actually exploring as much as the, the, the great sell of that game is that you can just go from system to system and see all these extraordinary, uh, beautiful procedural generated worlds but the reality of the game in its um, standard mode is that you have to actually spend loads of time crafting and zapping things and uh, building things in a clear time gating uh, way Mm. and that just that's unfulfilling in that game in a way that I don't mind that at all in Animal Crossing and that's kind of an interesting difference I'm not sure quite why I accept it in Animal Crossing Um, and
0: can't accept it in No Man's Sky. I think, from design point of view, I think one really key thing is Animal Crossing doesn't have anything that you have to keep doing in order to simply keep the clock, to keep the the lights on. Yeah, it's a really crucial difference. Like, it's not a survival game, so it doesn't have like you're not going to starve to death, you're not going to run out of power or fuel. Whereas, um, whereas No Man's Sky is constantly making you top up your various meters in order to be able to just keep exploring or something like that. Mm.
2: I think it's also like it's always promising there's something else there's something else, there's something else else. and as soon as you, it's like that thing where you have the everlasting kind of uh, you know, you get a great big box of quality street and you just sort of gorge on it, but if you have just a couple of them, they taste sweeter and like, you know, you're not (laughs) sated but like, you just have a couple and you think you know I think it's the, it's the fact that you could have, you could be going to that planet and the next one and the next one. And like anything that stands in your way becomes a frustration as opposed mm. to Animal Crossing where there is a hard limit on what you can see. And that's a quite a, you know, sharp, hard minute.
0: Yeah. Sharp well, and mean, hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a cheese. Um. <laughs> Uh, anything else on this or should we move on to the next one yeah let's go cool this is exactly the exact sort of thing I'd normally achieve by looking around a room <laughs> work. Yeah. we should, we should uh, click
2: the button saying raise your hand yeah. raise your hand to say no I've got nothing to say
0: <laughs> Darren <laughs> writes hello dear creating create crowbar uh, I was catching up with your pods and a conversation from a few months ago regarding the struggles of mid tier games struck me I think I love mid-tier games. Games in that awkward $20 to $40 price range. Games passed over as decent examples of existing genres, but with aesthetics or narratives different enough to grab me. Games with creative or distinct systems that, for reasons I can't grok, fly under radars. Uh, my library is full of them. I recently finished playing Masters of Anima. I've been deriving a great deal of joy from dwaros in these troubled times, and Iron Danger is next on my list as one of the most anticipated, one of my most anticipated games of the year. I love these games. Yet I can't... You can imagine that once I leave the dedicated Discord servers or forums for these games, I almost never hear about them save the occasional launch announcement as developers try their hardest to be heard. I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe to the wider gaming community in a different universe of games. It's lonely here in the weird middle. Why is it so lonely? <laughs> Stay safe, sane, sober, and may your hand sanitizer never run out. Darren. <laughs> I haven't heard of any of those
3: games. I haven't. Heard any of Thank <laughs> God you said.
1: <laughs> We're supposed to know this stuff, guys. But I too don't know any of those but games. But you're so.
2: the newsman.
1: I know, right? I'm the most. I'm the guiltiest
0: of all. <laughs> I think it's 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 a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously, if games are attracting enough of an audience for the developers to keep making them and say keep the lights on, then that's fine. Like the notion, like, maybe we've passed beyond an era where it's possible for everybody to be aware of everything that's happening in video games because the industry was so small. Maybe that's one consequence of there being a middle? I don't know. Is it. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, does it have a shape that has a middle anymore? Like, because it just sort of seems like. A, I mean, like I used to know what a middle it's game a was. Shape. Like, middle games were like soldier, you know, what. I don't know. Um,
3: THQ would be published. Yeah,
2: THQ games, exactly. Um, But now, like, they take so many forms, many of which we have no idea of because we've never heard of them.
0: I love a good middle game. I know you do. This is the thing, you're the spokesperson for 6 out of 10, so...
1: I'm I'm a big fan of them. Um, And I do empathise at that point that you feel like you're in a different fucking paradigm (laughs) from... (laughs) Uh, everyone else when you know obviously like a a lot of the time you're covering the big new releases the big budget games but some kind of like small thing where i can't remember that i've quern yes like quern (laughs) uh, which i've (laughs) talked about on the podcast before which is a kind of mist like adventure game that is very much one of these middle games that will just get lost and they they rarely get covered unless i happen to write about them (laughs) (laughs) and um be like this six out of ten is a fun six out of ten as opposed to other games um, th- those feel like I, I find that quite encouraging that people are just kind of making what their little kind of hobbyist projects almost mm. and catering to quite niche audiences with these games uh, so like Mist isn't a genre the, that that type of adventure game isn't like a widely popular genre but there are so many games that have tried to fill that gap um, including Abduction which is obviously made by the people who actually made mm. Myst um, and uh, it I think that's the space that middle, those middle games we talk about, uh, occupy, where they're kind of just filling up, uh, it's not just purely nostalgic, because that's quite reductive, but I think it's just, they're keeping genres going, mm. almost, um, and just, yeah, it's keeping those ideas alive.
2: When's the cover shooter? I'm looking forward to, uh, the middle game cover shooter to keep that alive. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like a modern sort of, I know Games of War is still going, but, a version of that that is kind of a knockoff. um, <laughs> I, um I, I received a tweet today uh, from a studio uh, who are making a, a game that looks a lot like Dead Space um, and by a lot like Dead Space I mean it is it is <laughs> Dead Space um, and I, I, I wrote about it like a year or two ago and I said uh, this game's Isaac equivalent looks like he needs to be defrosted in a microwave <laughs> And they uh, they tweeted me today to say um, we've defrosted him. Yeah. <laughs> they've, uh, they've they've changed the art for the character, and I know I've, I'm sure I'm not solely responsible for that, but I don't know that that is a great example of a middle game filling a gap that mm. um, like Dead Space was great. I really enjoyed Dead Space. It just went off the rails with three when it tried to be a co-op thing. Um it is, a, but... it is
2: a middle core studio who um interacts with the journalists in that way as well. That like yeah. Hats yeah, off true. to that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, man, maybe that's the best way to think about like I I quite like the idea of because if, if when we're talking about games being lost, it's really about them vanishing from the discourse. Um and and there's only so much space to talk about things. And only in, and people only want to talk about Animal Crossing now anyway. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, th- I quite like the idea of the middle as being a place where genres that have fallen out of favour can be picked up, and maybe even can be defined by the fact that as access to the technology to make more sophisticated games, becomes more widespread, it is possible, like maybe this is the other side of it, it is now possible for smaller studios or indie studios to, to some extent, both try and compete with genres that would be considered triple a couple of years ago, but also in that regard to bite off slightly more than they can chew. Like it is, it is possible for a, uh, a smaller studio to set itself the task of making a Call of Duty style game. And therefore it is never going to compete marketing wise or budget wise with Call of Duty. And therefore it's likely to get lost, but there is still merit in that potentially. Like I would love, you know, I think there have been, and there are attempts to make Mass Effect style games in this way without access, you know without the resources invested in that kind of thing and that's another genre the Bioware RPG is actually probably rapidly becoming a genre that should probably be swept up by indies newly empowered by better engines and things.
2: Mm.
0: I think that almost all Warhammer <laughs> games fall into this category. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. Mechanicus was a very very middle middle game, but
0: great. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
3: Beautifully oh, <sighs> that reminds me
0: games, actually,
2: there? like there there is a game that, that that is apparently very very good which I kind of couldn't imagine it but it's a big budget and yet it really should be middle core which is the Gears of War so you know mm. cover shooter tactics tactics mm. game tactics game is the apparently classic really middle good. core yeah like I've read several very very praising things it looks awesome yeah, three also, did goes you say, did you just say middle core
1: yeah Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, apparently Gears Tactics is supposed to be legit. Yeah, I've enjoyed. heard that. Bro, well, yeah, I'm about. happy
0: for um, Splash Damage, particularly, who are working on that. Yeah,
2: for oh, sure. Oh, is it Splash Damage? I,
0: th- I think it's both Splash Damage and The Coalition, but I oh, okay, cool. believe Splash Damage has done a lot of it. That's super podcast voice.
3: Yeah.
0: Don't know. But, yeah, I just Googled it, and they are listed as yeah. the developers. So. Middle core. That's cool. Middle core, Middle core. Yeah.
4: I do like uh slightly. Uh, it's probably slightly lower budget than middle core, even. But uh, the uh, as you said, you know, like mist mist clones are a, are a thing. But also just slightly low uh low lower bar than that. That sort of more like um you're always on an alien planet, powering up strange alien structures. With light beams, that seems to be the thing. Mm. Um, you're possibly in a coma at the same time. <laughs> there's, there's, but there's lots and lots of them on on, uh, on Steam because just uh, it's a reasonably approachable uh, th- thing to do with Unity. I think mm. um, to make a, a first person because you have like first person mobility baked yeah. into that, um, and then uh, some light puzzle solving which doesn't require much more complex geometry than, you know, abstract polygonal monoliths. Um and there's yeah, there's there's quite a few of them and they're all quite nice. It's just it turns out that you can you can produce something that's quite aesthetically pleasing to move around in and and you know, restive in the same way that uh, wandering through Bicolia is restive.
0: Uh our final question comes from Ryan. Who writes, Dear Crete? how do you feel about Half Life Alex not including me, sincerely? Crowbar. I think we've.
1: None of us have played it, right? No.
0: No. In fact, we may have to seek external aid in the future in order to have opinions about Half Life Alex. Yeah. But... We can go to Tom's house. Hmm. D- did what, he leave Canada? his, did he, did he leave his five here? I
2: don't think it's very secure to say that he did, but he may have, but that's probably not true.
1: <laughs> so what we're going to say is that we're going to burgle Tom Francis' house, uh, in
0: order to play burgle, Alex.
2: Burgle, borrow, I mean.
0: <laughs> we could ask him. <laughs> we have that, we have that power.
1: I think it's, um, like the sister requirements are quite high for that game, and in order, uh, I would, Almost be tempted to buy the, a, a, an index headset or something, mm. um, but I would actually have to upgrade my upgrade my entire PC yeah. To, yeah. to to actually run it, and
0: that's the barrier to me. I keep I keep being tempted, I keep being tempted by a VR thing, but I think that might just be the stir crazy talking. Well, mm. that's
1: why I bought a PSVR mm. because fucking lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, it's nice to put a thing on your head that. Takes you to other places,
0: <laughs> like James like, Cameron's uh, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and,
3: yeah, and Blood and Truth. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I'm I'm surprised it doesn't have a crowbar in it. if true. So Surprising apparently that was um,
1: that was um, apparently due to um, testing. It was uh, people who had the crowbar thought they were Gordon Freeman. Uh, and, and not Alex, <laughs> so Valve <laughs> Valve decided to take it out. There was a crowbar in it, apparently initially. Man. Imagine if
4: your if the totality of your character can be summed up in like, <laughs> half a meter of metal. I thought
3: this. That's, yeah, exactly. Also, like
1: a crowbar, a crowbar is obviously such a good fit for Half-Life Alex, for, based on what hmm. I've seen of the game, where there are loads of kind of uh, bits of wood that you have to like remove bit by bit. Yeah, give me a crowbar to smash that.
2: Is there a, like a similarly smashy thing in there? Because maybe they want to rest- also limit the smashiness or smash
1: to? Why would you want to limit the, the smash oh, wow. I think
0: it would feel smash-osity. weird to play a Half-Life game where you can't wave the crowbar insanely quickly you know the thing, like if you hold down the mouse button, it's just like bing 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 with the crowbar, Like that's 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 what that feels, and that's the other half of Gordon Freeman's personality. It's not just man who owns this
2: Sp- speed of use. <laughs> speed of use.
0: Um, yes. he's a very quick pulverizer. He is he's just yeah yeah, particularly for yeah uh, for a research chef. You'd make a great I mean.
2: chef.
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Gordon Freeman prepares onions (laughs) Uh, so you you, that's how I feel about that (laughs) cool
2: it is cool everything's
1: cool is it? it kind of of isn't at the moment Alex
0: (laughs) well let's let's look on the bright side Tom you have You survived this podcast. <laughs>
3: yeah, so what happened
1: was, I, I survived being blown up by gas, uh, this evening, and then loads of blood fell out of me, and uh, I had to stop that from happening, and I could've, it, just, it seems like there's danger everywhere in my own flat. <laughs> I feel like, cause, we-, we I, I, I can't think, even I leave. Think, <laughs> I
0: think you explained that you had a, a nosebleed on the break, so we might want to just put that note in there, just in case someone oh, yeah, sorry, like, that... like hemorrhaging blood. <laughs> 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 yeah sorry um, yeah I, everything's fine
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh
0: good remote pods what yeah. it's
1: so strange it's, it's strange doing this remotely I miss your smells <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yeah it's, uh, <sighs> it's gonna be strange when we're all back in the same room and like don't know how to be adjust back in the yeah, air. <laughs> I don't know yeah trying to have a normal sounding conversation isn't it? <laughs> you, you've, so this piece of software you're using has this button you can press to raise your hand and if you do this quote unquote raise your hand as in indicate silently that you'd wish to speak if you do this it permanently changes your avatar to just the word hey <laughs> and covers up the thing that moves when you speak <laughs> yeah. and I find and so
2: and it doesn't it, go, Can you? do you have the power to get rid I of the I don't want hey? to
0: click anything because if I click is it... something, it might stop oh, recording.
2: Oh. Bingo clang's
0: gone normal.
3: Not for me. Yeah. He hasn't.
2: Oh, Bingo isn't it?
3: Clang's oh. gone normal. Look, this what? is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfectly <laughs> sensible thing to say. Not a sentence. Yeah. No. No.
4: My my uh, on my screen, it's it's. Uh, I'm uncovered. Chris is uncovered, but uh, but uh, run from an egg and Guest CT are both um, covered in covered
0: in hay. So the raise your
2: hand <laughs> system is is doesn't work. Look for me,
0: everyone's still covered in hay, and <laughs> I think it's I think when when everyone's covered in hay is when we traditionally end the podcast.
2: Indeed,
3: sneezing. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so it's it's a good night for me. It's it's not. What do I do? What do I say? Oh yeah. If you'd like to send a question to the podcast, you'd be pleased to know I'm not having anything to drink this evening, because I'm not drinking during this period of time because I'm alone in my house. Um this is just sheer on Um <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of the podcast, you can email us a questions at You can also tweet us at Creighton Crowbar. You can find our Discord community on Discord via a link on our website at com, you can find our episodes on youtube at youtube.com forward slash Crowbar. and thank you as ever to our Patreon supporters who've provided the resources necessary to pivot to this seamless new way of delivering content online you can find out more about our our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Uh thank you very much, I've been uh, Chris Thurston uh, he's been Dr. Bingo Clang
4: thanks yes and if uh if you're feeling a bit peaky i have a large number of um remedies that you can purchase at a high price <laughs> of crystals
0: and little coils of metal <laughs> guaranteed to work uh someone else has been running from an egg
2: i'm quite puffed out now
0: <laughs> and finally a guest with my initials it's guest ct and
1: that being tom senior and thanks for notching everybody. <laughs>
3: uh, khaki Avengers out. <laughs>